A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Happy Election Day. It is a Tuesday, November the 8th, 2022, and so glad you're with us on the program. We did cover uh, some election topics, the big races to watch on yesterday's program, so we're not going to talk about that today. Instead, we're going to get into the post-midterm landscape and what gun control laws Democrats may be pushing in the uh, days and weeks and months ahead. Before we get into our uh, topic du jour, however, today's episode brought to you by Direct Bullion USA, the new gold standard of gold and silver dealers. You wouldn't let the swamp of Washington, D.C. take your guns, so why would you let them take your retirement? Visit directbullionusa.com today and start learning how to protect your financial freedom by requesting a free investment guide. Secure, protect, and diversify. Get started now at directbullionusa.com. So we saw not only um, do we have election day going on today, but we saw U.S. District Judge Glenn Sutterby in New York strike down or at least issue an injunction against enforcement of many of the provisions of New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act. At the same time, Judge Sutterby has said um, most of these laws are unconstitutional, so they've they can't be enforced. The Rand Corporation is out with a brand new report on state firearm laws after Bruin. This is basically a roadmap for gun control advocates, anti-gun politicians, uh, and the like. What can be done after the Supreme Court's decision in Bruin? Uh, And you might recognize some of the names associated uh, with this report. I'll be honest with you, there's not a single name on there that I recognized as a pro-Second Amendment voice. A lot of folks who are quite chummy in the uh, gun control movement, however, uh, including uh, Jake Charles from uh, Pepperdine University and the uh, Duke Center for Firearm Law, uh, Saul Cornell of uh, Fordham University, David Hemingway of uh, Harvard, uh, Eric Rubin, Adam Winkler. Uh, You know, the only one I listen, I think Jake Charles um, is, is more of an academic than an advocate. Uh, but I think he is still very much in favor of uh, some uh, additional gun control laws. I don't think he was a fan of the Bruin decision. The one name that kind of intrigued me, uh, Julia Jenkins of the Legal Aid Society of New York, the criminal defense practice, because Legal Aid Society did submit a brief in the Bruin decision arguing that New York's uh, May issue laws should be overturned and declared unconstitutional and pointed to the harm that was done to many of their clients. Uh, I don't know what perspective uh, Ms. Jing has brought to the table here, but I can tell you that the overall report by Rand, again, is very much in favor of additional gun control laws and is a roadmap uh, for those advocates looking to put more restrictions on the fundamental right to keep and bear arms in the future. So what they come up with? Well, they do acknowledge that the Bruin decision is going to make it tough, uh, at least tougher to pass new gun control laws. But they say that the decision has ambiguities in it that will allow uh, for some restrictions and some provisions to be implemented. Let's talk about them. They say first that the court's determination that New York's uh, concealed carry law was unconstitutional was narrowly focused on the use of subjective discretionary standards in issuing permits and seems to explicitly allow for states to use objective suitability 
and perhaps even good moral character standards that could serve similar risk management objectives as the former discretionary standards. Well, not according to Judge Glenn Sotheby, uh, because one of the provisions of the CCIA that uh, he said could not be enforced was the state's good moral character standard, which Sotheby says, in essence, was just their uh, justifiable need standard by another name. It, it's still imposing a subjective standard on somebody who wants to exercise a fundamental right. In this case, the standard is not, well, is that a good enough reason for you to carry? It becomes, well, are you the type of person that we want to carry? Again, not because you haven't met training standards, not because you uh, have been uh, convicted of a felony or a domestic violence misdemeanor, but maybe, you know, eh, we just you think you're hanging out with the uh, wrong sort of crowd. We just don't like the look of you. You know, maybe you've been arrested, but you haven't been convicted of a crime in the past. Should that be enough to prevent you from exercising your right to keep and bear arms? According to New York State, the answer is yes. According to these gun control activists, the answer is yes. But according to Judge Glenn Sutterby, the answer is no. Uh, the RAND analysis also says that because the decision allows states to enact permitting systems that use objective standards for eligibility, state regulations that set objective training and, com and competency standards for the acquisition, use, and carrying of firearms may be defensible under Bruin. Well, in New York's case, Judge Sutterby did allow the 16 hours of classroom training and the two hours of range training to remain in place and, and be enforced under the CCIA, although he did note some reservations with that. Uh, and his justification was a little odd, too, basically saying that, well, you know, uh, at the time of the founding... Uh, people, uh, there, there were laws on the books to ensure that uh, those in the militia uh, were, were, were trained with their firearms. But we're not talking about a militia, and we're not talking about a right that is contingent upon service in a militia. Um, but for now, Sotheby's uh, 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 has said that New York's training standards can remain intact, although he did, again, express some hesitation about the cost of the training. Uh, about the demands that it would place on gun owners. So I, I think it is, I mean, again, my non-lawyerly opinion here is that you could probably find some sort of, you know, reasonable training standard uh, that the Supreme Court would go along with. But I think we've got a real problem here is states can tack on enough uh, mandatory training requirements, all of a sudden the cost of exercising a fundamental right Approaches $300, $400, a $1,000 $1, or more, that's going to shut out many Americans from being able to afford to exercise a fundamental right. And once that happens, I, I think we're not just talking about regulation here. I think we're talking about infringements. Uh, the uh, RAND analysis then says, although the decision allows that firearms can be banned from certain sensitive places, no clear guidance on how to determine the legitimacy of such regulations was offered in Bruin, meaning that states wishing to broaden or limit bans on firearms in sensitive places may be able to justify their choices. Again, that argument has not fared well in the early going, at least based on uh, Judge Sotheby's decision in uh, uh, the Antonia case. There were a couple of the quote-unquote sensitive places that uh, New York defined 
uh, under the CCIA that were allowed to remain in place, uh, bans on carrying uh, on playgrounds, uh, in nursery schools, daycares, uh, to name just a, a few. And really, there were only a handful of places uh, where Judge Sotheby said, okay, yeah, this comports uh, with the you know uh, uh, traditions of banning firearms from uh, uh, you know uh, polling places, schools, uh, legislative assemblies, uh, and the like. Um, the the problem though for Rand Corporation is that by in essence declaring broad swaths of the public to be off limits to concealed carry, you are by necessity then infringing on the general right to carry in public for self defense, right? Uh, and Sotheby recognized that. Uh, he tossed out the uh, the idea that uh, all private property, for instance, could be uh, off limits to concealed carry by default. Um, didn't see a specific uh, ruling on the uh, Times Square uh, issue in Sotheby's decision, but uh, basically these uh, you know restricted places. Sotheby says just don't comport um, with what the Supreme Court had to say in Bruin. So Rand then turns their attention uh, to who can carry. Uh, they say, although prohibitions against gun possession by, for instance, children, those posing a risk to themselves or others, and those dishonorably discharged from the military could well be challenged on the basis of Bruin's new method for evaluating Second Amendment claims, the court again seems unlikely to reject most regulations specifying those who are prohibited from gun ownership. Uh, and I, I think that is the case, although in the years ahead, we may see the court take up uh, the issue of dangerousness versus a blanket prohibition on, let's say, you know, all felony convictions. Uh, if somebody has been convicted of a nonviolent uh, uh, felony, let's say, you know, tax evasion or something like that, uh, is that person dangerous in the same way that somebody convicted of armed robbery uh, would be considered dangerous going forward? Uh, but generally speaking, I, I do agree. I don't think the court is trying to set up a scenario in which uh, every prohibited person is now uh, allowed to possess a firearm. We have seen a federal judge rule that. Uh, those who have been uh, those under indictment, uh, but those who have not yet been convicted of a crime do not lose their right to keep and bear arms. Uh, but we'll see what the appellate court and ultimately if the uh, Supreme Court steps in that that, however, I think is probably the uh, the most accurate assumption that the uh, Rand report makes. Uh, finally, they say that because the court emphasizes that weapons in common use cannot be considered dangerous and unusual Technologies that a state wishes to prohibit may need to be banned before they are in wide circulation. Now, uh, this is also interesting because I think it's I think it's it's pretty clear that a lot of the folks associated with this project really do want to ban so-called assault weapons and semi-automatic firearms, but they at least recognize that uh, that might be kind of tough to do here. Uh, under the standard that was laid out in Bruin. Uh, they say, quote, although the court would likely consider semi-automatic rifles and high-capacity magazines as in common use and thus covered under Second Amendment protections, regulations that impose higher standards of control over the acquisition, use, and carrying of specific type of weapons may be constitutional under Bruin. Uh, in other words, if you want to own, let's say, a revolver uh, or a pump-action shotgun, or a single-shot bolt-action rifle, then, then maybe you could do so without all of the hoops and hurdles that would be present if you wanted to own a semi-automatic pistol or an AR-15 
or a, uh, you know, uh, shotgun that can hold more than uh, uh, two slugs. Um, I, I, again, my non-lawyerly perspective here is I don't think the court is going to engage in the type of uh, tiered scrutiny that it rejected to determine the constitutionality of gun control laws to determine the constitutionality of a particular firearm. Uh, Again, the standard is if these arms are in common use for a variety of lawful purposes, they cannot be considered dangerous and unusual. Uh, And therefore, they are protected by the Second Amendment. I I don't think that's actually all that difficult to understand here. Um, But it also suggests the Rand analysis that that these activists and these uh, academics don't really see a future for the type of so-called assault weapons ban that is, uh, you know, one of the uh, top agenda items of uh, anti-gun Democrats. They, they, they seem to think that that uh, type of ban would be on thin legal ice. And I guess with that, I, I agree with them as well. Uh, honestly, I got to say, instead of this report on uh, a roadmap for gun control advocates, I wish that Rand would have maybe taken the opposite approach and put together a report on here's how democratic states can actually recognize and respect the right to keep and bear arms. Because that's not what this report is about. This report doesn't talk about ensuring that people have access to a fundamental right. Instead, this report talks about ways to get around the Supreme Court's decision, ways to enact reasonable gun safety laws in the face of the Supreme Court declaring that, hey, we're talking about a fundamental individual right here. And I I think the perspective that Rand offers, quite frankly, is off base. Because ultimately what they're still doing is trying to legitimize the infringement of a constitutionally protected right. Where I come from. That's just plain wrong. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll uh, start there with a uh, case from, where where was this? Uh, The Daily Reporter uh, newspaper. The uh, Daily Reporter newspaper in uh, Indiana. Last teenager sentenced from 2021 shooting incident. Yeah, um, 18-year-old Ethan Emilio Melendez got one heck of a deal here. He was 17 last October when uh, he was charged with shooting a teenager, originally facing a level four felony count of operating a machine gun, uh, as well as other charges after a younger boy was shot in the arm as a group of teens gathered uh, early in the morning at a uh, residence there in uh, Hancock County. The level four felony carried a sentence of up to 12 years in prison, but he was allowed to plead guilty to lesser charges. Uh, A level five felony count of carrying a hangar without a license and carrying without a license within 500 feet of a school. Mr. Melendez was given a six-year prison term with three years suspended to probation. He also received jail credit for 378 days already served, the level four felony, two other level six felonies dismissed as part of a plea deal. 
and so Mr. Melendez, uh, in essence, will do very little time. I think the, the 378 days uh, applied to his uh, sentence with time off for good behavior uh, means that Melendez may not go to prison at all. Uh, but if he does, it'll be for just a fraction of the time that he was eligible to receive for illegally carrying a gun that had been illegally converted into firing fully automatic. I got to say, when we hear politicians talk about getting tough on crime, we've got to send a message. And then you see stories like this. I, I mean, it just leaves you scratching your head. Uh, hopefully, Mr. Melendez has learned his lesson. but. I, I can't help but be concerned that the lesson that Mr. Melendez has actually learned is that you can commit a serious crime without having to pay serious consequences. Today's armed citizen story, Birmingham, Alabama, where uh, police say a uh, intruder was shot and killed while trying to crawl in through a bedroom window. This was uh, just after midnight. Well, I guess closer to 1 a.m. Uh, this morning at a house on Avenue O in Birmingham. The uh, homeowner told police that the intruder was trying to crawl through the window of her house, so she grabbed her gun and fired a couple of shots, striking the burglary suspect once in the chest. At this point, authorities say they aren't sure whether or not the homeowner knew the uh, would-be intruder. They say the wounded man ran a block to a uh, local gas station where he collapsed at the front door of the store. The store worker calling Birmingham uh, 911 about 12:46 a.m. Officers arrived at the store, provided aid to the man until paramedics arrived, but he was uh, pronounced dead at a, a local hospital just after two o'clock this morning. The uh, name currently being withheld pending notification of his family. The investigation uh, is ongoing, uh, but again, at this point, it would appear to be a case of self-defense in Birmingham, Alabama. We'll give you more details uh, if and when they become available. Finally, today, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a, a police officer down in Georgia, uh, Powder Springs, Georgia, and a relatively new officer, uh, our Officer uh, Carson Yates, got a call over the weekend. There was a uh, marathon being run, and one of the uh, runners actually collapsed there on the trail. This is uh, dash cam footage when uh, Officer uh, Yates arrived. This was on the uh, Silver Comet Trail back on uh, October 29th. Uh, Officer Yates says the uh, runner had a clogged artery. He had just passed out, said his heart was stopped. Within uh, seconds of arriving at the scene, Officer Yates said he and his sergeant jumped into action, started rendering first aid. He said, my uh, first thought was just to try to get some breath into him, just try to stabilize him until EMS comes. Uh, Yates performed CPR on the man for almost 10 minutes. Yates, by the way, in his first year as an officer, uh, there with the Powder Springs Police Department. He said, I just went back to my training, what we learned in the academy. And as it turns out, what he learned works because uh, the runner ultimately was able to start breathing on his own. Heart started beating um, before medics arrived even. And then when uh, the EMS got there, they were able to take him to a local hospital. Uh, and he is expected to make a full recovery. Carson Yates says, of course, I'm excited to help save his life, but it's part of the job. Yeah, it is. And I imagine that if you do that career long enough, there are going to be individuals that you will not be able to save. But on that day, in that moment, Officer Carson Yates was in the right place at the right time. Willing and able to do the right thing. And in doing so, saved a man's life. So, Officer Yates, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. 
Now, that is all the time we've got for you in this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. We will be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about uh, all of the election results. I'd also encourage you, uh, you know, I always talk about becoming a VIP member, but we've got a special uh, post-election VIP Go Live chat with Hot Air's Ed Morrissey coming up tomorrow as well. So if you have not yet become a VIP or a VIP Gold member, well, I would encourage you to go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo gun rights, and get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will we be showing support for the independent pro Second Amendment journalism we're doing here at Bearing Arms, but as I was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference, just like your vote. So get out there, cast that ballot. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hopefully good things to talk about. In the meantime, be well. Be safe. Be free.